Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. Now, from the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. Well, thank you, Greta Zanster, for bringing us in. Before the break, you were going on and on about UNC basketball. I'm getting kind of a, there's a general malaise. Um, I want to say before you go on your your tirade about how great <laughs> you can see I'm ready to go. I, right I, I, <laughs> I want to say this. Do you know what the over under on the UNC game was in Vegas? No. One fifty three. Okay. Do what some was the final me. score? Seventy seven, seventy six. Wow. How many meltdowns were there across the country with gamblers with the score seventy seven, seventy six? And them sitting on a push at 153 is the over-under. Wow. And North Carolina can't convert a single free throw in four opportunities. I, I, I think I hope, I'm calling conspiracy. I hope you just had to have a side bet on Meek's line, maybe tw- you, 25 points over-under. I don't know. I, I, well, I can't imagine being in that sports book and watching that. What do you that. go, 25 and 14? 25 and 14. I, I did see a stat that – that 47 points between he and Justin Jackson, that's the most since Douglas Roberts and Derrick Rose when when Memphis oh, yeah. went through the Final Four. Um, great Memphis teams, by the way. But that end-the-game strategy, we made a lot of predictions in the last couple of weeks relative to the men's tournament. I, anybody that wants to hear them, go to SoundCloud from the cheap seats. We committed all to, to the Internet, which is forever. Right. At our own peril sometimes. Because, you know, just like anybody else, it's a crapshoot. But what we did talk about was end of game strategy. And right. real quickly, I want to touch on the South Carolina Gonzaga, then sure. we'll get into the UNC, Oregon, and among other things, the end of game strategy. South Carolina had an opportunity down three with the ball, 13 and a half seconds left. They got the ball to Thornwell. It, was, it seemed like the first time Thornwell had touched the ball in the offense in you know five minutes of gameplay. Right. When Thornwell got the ball, you had that feeling. You, you, you just knew he was going to create something. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga, though, was more prepared for that situation than South Carolina was. And Mark Few said specifically in the postgame that they knew inside of six seconds up three, take the foul – as long as you're not, you, you don't have somebody in the shooting motion. And that's sure. what they did. They took the foul with three and a half seconds left, put Thornwell on the line. Thornwell comes to the line, down three, three and a half seconds left on the clock. Hits the first free throw. Then they elected to go for the programmed miss right. and try to get the offensive rebound and put back. That's one of the lowest percentage plays in all of sports. That's like that, – I'd like to see the odds on that, but I'd have to think that it's somewhere in line with an onside kick. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Three and a half seconds is a long time. You're talking about no timeouts. So, yes, there is a very, very small fraction of a chance 
that you can get a putback off of a missed free throw. However, South Carolina not only employed a very low percentage strategy, Sendarius Thornwell, you're, you're coached whether you played high school ball, college ball, whatever the case might be, that if you're going to miss a free throw on that programmed miss, the shooter has the best look at it. Right. You've got to follow that shot. Sendarius Thornwell never left the foul line. And the, you know, the, the rebound came down to Gonzaga. Uh, South Carolina fouled with 2.2 left, and it was a four-point game, and it was over. Now, my, my way of looking at this, and I swear I'm not trying to Monday morning quarterback, I, as this unfolded, this was my thought process. Hit the second free throw and foul on the inbounds. You're talking about a dead ball situation, sure. so the clock doesn't start. If South Carolina was was well prepared for a situation like that, you foul before the ball is inbound. You you, you could see in the UNC game, refs are going to swallow their whistle. Um, in this case, you take the foul, but if you take it prior to the inbounds, you get to choose your shooter, and the clock doesn't start, which right. means that worst case, Gonzaga goes down, hits the through free throws, and you've got three and a half seconds to get a look. Three and a half seconds is a long time. Sure. We've seen teams do a lot more with less time on the clock. South Carolina's end of game strategy, it, it failed them miserably. Now to the flip side, and, and that's all we're gonna we're gonna say. Again, I really feel like Gonzaga was the better team. Uh, as much as I would have loved to have seen a South Carolina, North Carolina, you know, Civil War type situation, that would have been great. Would have been fun. But Gonzaga was the best team. They, they're the team that that based on their resume deserved to be in the national finals. And depth, which is key. And depth is key. And that's where we'll get to as we talk about the matchup that UNC faces. UNC Oregon, Jordan Bell played lights out. He did. I hope that the takeaway from this game is not Jordan Bell blew it because he didn't box out. Okay. No, I don't think it will be either. But I mean, you can continue your point. But Jordan Bell is the only player that was really scary to me in that matchup. Yeah. I'm. How many times have you heard me say personally over the last ninety days, Dylan Brooks is the best player in the country? A gazillion. Dylan Brooks didn't show up. He got locked up. He did get locked up. You take Dylan Brooks and his two for 11, and I think that if UNC and Oregon play again 15 times and replay this game, Dylan Brooks won't go two of 11 from the field. Right. But you take that two of 11 and you give even a passable performance, Oregon probably wins this ballgame. You subtract what Jordan Bell did on the day, they get beat by a dozen. Sure. So Jordan Bell played out of his mind – and at the end of the game, I'm not going to criticize this guy for all of the effort and the energy and, and skill that he displayed. I'm not going to criticize him. I'm going to put the glory with UNC. Theo Pinson made as good a play, as heady a play, in a moment like that as you can make and tip that last rebound out sure. and won the ball game for UNC. So I'm not going to come down on Jordan Bell or, or Oregon. Um, they played the right strategy. They had everything. They did everything but execute. And the very last point I'll make with that is people are pointing the finger at Jordan Bell and saying, well, he cost Oregon the game. 
Come on, man. You're you're talking about a situation where there's five and a half seconds left on the first set of free throws. You're talking about a, a 25 or 30 percent shot at best. Right. You know, trying to get the ball up the floor, get a look and hit that shot. Jordan Bell did not lose that game for anybody. Jordan Bell kept him in it. Um, but in the game situations got those kids and and the everybody involved in the in the ball game. Kids, if you're listening at home and you want to be a basketball player, box out. Yeah, box out, but he got snake bitten by how those balls came off the, off the rim. I was watching him. He he should have boxed out a little bit better for sure. He puts the blame on himself, and then you know the media just needs something to write about, so they jumped on that as soon as he said what he said. But well, good for good for a millennial for actually stepping up and saying, "Hey, yeah, it was on me." And I and I admire him even that. I much do more too, for that. and I admire watching these kids cry after these games. You know, during the game, you kind of want as a you know the opposition, a fan of the opposition, the Carolina fan. I really want to hate these guys, but you can't. You see how much heart they leave out there on the floor. But you know, the first one came off perfectly towards the middle. And Pinson gets the tip out. It's like a perfect storm where it just went right to Pinson where he was going. And the other one died on the rim, and Meeks got him left side. You know, he should have boxed out. That's not the – you know, we should have hit four free throws or two, and then it's game over. Just like with, you know, the Kentucky game. Just hit our free throws, and it's it's game over. It's unfortunate that he puts the blame on himself, but like you said, it's very admirable that – you have a millennial that's willing to do that. Well, and and for everybody that's out there, this is coming from the non-Tar Heel homer in the room. Right. Is there nobody's going to call that foul on Meeks. Okay, if you're talking about mid-game, you know, and 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 there's not a lot on the line, Meeks might get called for over the back or a push maybe 20% of the time. Inside of 10 seconds, you can Listen, it. Nobody's going to get that call. All my Carolina friends, they were texting me during the game. A couple of them were like, ooh, could have been called a foul. That's the type of foul you call early in the game to set the tone for the rest of the action for the remaining 35 minutes or whatever. You never make that call. To me, it was more 50-50. Was there contact? Sure. But you never make that call with just a few seconds left on the clock. Absolutely not. All right, so going into tonight's big game. Wow, I'm excited, man. This is a great matchup. You know, tonight I will decide, well, it'll be decided for me. I'm either going to love hearing one shining moment or I'm going to absolutely hate hearing one shining moment. If you don't know what one shining moment is, it's the little stupid song they played. I I got you, man. I'm looking at the headlines Um couple of interesting things, but going back to like coming up with key points or predictions about Carolina basketball, I'm done with it. You know, I think for me, you know, outside of Justin Jackson and Meeks, who've been very steady throughout the tournament run, you know, I've said one time Hicks is going to be the key to the game where he disappears and May hits the shot. You just don't know where the other offense is coming from. But for me, the key is defense in depth. And both of these teams – do that. Carolina hasn't always been known for their defense, particularly guarding the perimeter and three-point shots, but this team has bought into what Roy wants them to do, this, to do this year, and they're playing a lot of really good defense. And then Gonzaga, 
I guess numbers wise is like the number one ranked defense, depending on what you're looking at um, through the course of the year. But I saw a headline in ESPN, and it says the the headline is "Big Big Men and Bad Ankles" is the kind <laughs> of the key to this game. And he's absolutely right. I want to see these bigs. It's going to be exciting. I want to see these bigs go against each other. And it's absolutely clear, to me anyway, that Joel Berry is not near 100%. I would say he's probably closer to maybe 80. He looks pained. And uh, for him to come out there and give us those minutes, and you can tell he's not getting any lift on his shot. So the two he hit from three-point land, he really had to take his time and gather. It depends on if he gets that kind of time in this game. Well, you talking about the bigs, and I think that the bigs, you've got to say advantage North Carolina by a slim margin only because when you're talking about you know top flight part of the rotation, you're talking about three on two. Karnowski and Collins for Gonzaga. Um, Williams Goss. We're talking about post play now. Oh, yeah. We're talking sorry. about post play. Collins and Karnowski for Gonzaga, and you've got Meeks, May, and Hicks for North Carolina. So I want to get your take on that. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. So, Brandon, we're talking about the bigs for Gonzaga versus the bigs for UNC. And we established Meeks, Hicks, May. Um, maybe the most important factor tonight will be how many fouls that is to give. You've got 15 for North Carolina. After Collins and Karnowski, the cupboard's bare for Gonzaga. Um, that could be a story. I disagree with your premise about what the important part is tonight. I think I saw enough in the Oregon game that I feel confident UNC is going to win this. And it was okay. because of the defense that Jackson and Pinson were able to play on Dylan Brooks. Gonzaga, Nigel Williams-Goss, for the better part of this year, was a guy that I would say was getting National Player of the Year recognition because he was the, the best player on a very good team. Josh Hart, guys like that. 
in the last couple of games, I've seen the offensive skill that has the NBA ready for this guy and where all the sort of national run came from. If Dylan Brooks couldn't get his shots, I don't know how Williams Goss is. And that's where I think the key is at because, yes, everything runs through the post, but Nigel Williams Goss is that guy that can, you know, he can get you a bucket when you need it. Um, 17 points a game on the year, obviously handles the ball on every possession. If North Carolina comes out, runs that zone, and is able to, you know, that matchup zone where where Pinson or Jackson, with their length and their athleticism, winds up on Goss consist, oh, not Williams Goss consistently, I think Gonzaga's got big problems. I don't know where the offense is going to come from. I will say that Zach Collins showed enough that I think he is sort of the X factor. I think he's enough to, to you know, raise the pucker factor for Roy Williams. He's like, what are we going to do with this guy? Right. But he's got to have confidence in his big – Meeks, Kennedy Meeks is – I mean, golly, he's he's blown up. Um, well, Hicks just- hasn't shown up yet. Maybe he's the guy. You know, I don't think he's had a signature game in this tournament, and we know he's a he's a heck of a ball player. Maybe it's him. Maybe he's the X factor for North Carolina. I think you make it. You make a really good point about Pinson and Justin Jackson's defense, and everybody else filling in, and the level of intensity of their defense as well as a unit. Um, they did it to Fox in the Kentucky game. They did it to Dylan Brooks. There's no reason for me to believe they're not going to do the same thing to Williams Goss. One thing that will be interesting in terms of the bigs, and you may have mentioned, I can't remember if you mentioned Bradley. Bradley's a freshman that comes off the bench that could maybe bother on the defensive side, bother some of these bigs, bother whether it be, you know, Karnowski or Collins. I'm not saying if I put Collins and Bradley together, Collins, for the most part, takes his launch one-on-one. He's that kind of player, and Bradley's still that raw but I think he gives them just enough minutes in terms and has a few fouls to burn. I see this being a high volume, a lot of fouls in this, people going to the bonus early, which could keep this whole matchup. I don't know. That that could actually increase the scoring line from maybe the 70s to the 80s. Like, I don't, well, I don't know. If North Carolina can't hit a free throw, it's not going to increase it anywhere. Well, there are, there are two-point favorites. <laughs> so – Gonzaga went into this Final Four as the favorites, and you explained that to me about how that all worked out. You explained if Carolina makes it, they will be the favorite. I thought they would be favored by just a little bit more, though. I mean, given given how nip and tuck everything's been through the last couple rounds of the tournament, I, I think you're you're in danger. You, you, nobody's going to cover much of a spread. Right. You can't count on that. Now, I, I honestly feel like North Carolina might come out here and win it by 10. I'd be shocked if Gonzaga won big. But the the key factor for me came at the end of the game. Um, Gonzaga escaped South Carolina in a game that on paper they should have won big. You saw the celebration. You saw all of the emotion and the outpouring, and you saw those kids jumping up and down. You know, tears were flowing euphoria and then you saw North Carolina who essentially ran back to the locker room after just as an emotional win these teams are on different missions Gonzaga was here to prove a point and prove that they belonged and they did that with with making it to the final four North Carolina and these kids this is a veteran team you just talked about Tony Bradley Tony Bradley is the only 
freshman that gets significant minutes for UNC. Sure. This is a seasoned team who all went through last year with the tough loss to Villanova. This team is here to win a national championship, and that may be the difference in, in terms of their mindset and preparation. The depth is going to be an issue. I mean, Roy can go with nine or ten down onto the bench if he wants to. I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But you've got fresher legs, and Gonzaga not only physically – the amount of an emotional investment at this point, I think, may catch up with them. And it just may be too big a stage for them yet. You know, generally with these big programs, you'll get a flash in the pan once in a while, but generally winning championships is a process that sure. has to be built toward. And for Gonzaga to be here on this stage to get a tough draw, because UNC was the prohibitive favorite for a lot of folks coming into the tournament, they, didn't, they don't have any bunnies left. Right. You know, we talked about their road to the Final Four. Nobody's going to care about it five, ten years down the road. They're just going to remember that Gonzaga played in the finals. But they haven't had a test like this. This is for real, and I've got to think that UNC and the experience they bring to the table and the legacy of the program is going to be too much for Gonzaga to overcome. Well, I hope you're right. Um, I do think that – I mean, they were there literally last year, you know, they're yeah. in this game. And I think there's a lot to be said for having been there. I mean, in the Hansborough years, they went Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four championship. So it was a process like you just mentioned earlier. But the thing that scares me to death is sometimes – what you don't know, you just don't know. Well, and you if don't. you go into like if you're Gonzaga and you don't know any different, you've never been to this stage. It may be one of those things. Well, I don't. Maybe there's no pressure on these guys. Mark Few has already delivered the Final Four that everybody was crying about. I think there could be zero pressure. I think what it comes down to for me, both of these teams has depth. And I'd like to make a plea about the, how the game is called. And let me – just give me 20 seconds. Either way that you call it, and you guys missed the big eye roll that Chris Lambert just gave me, I really don't care how you call it. I'd like for you to call it normal. But don't call it one way for 34 minutes and then another way for the last six. I think everybody just, wants to see it called consistently. But you know where I'm going with that. Don't don't call it tic-tac for 34 minutes and last six minutes, swallow your whistles to create some product for the NCAA. Just call it fair. Let the best team win. Let's stop trying to produce the the you know the ultimate I don't, I don't matchup think out any, there. I don't think you'll get any argument from anybody. Real quickly, just a couple minutes left. Now, some of you out there know and some of you don't that on occasion we put together top 10 lists. Sure. And they're out there on Facebook. You can follow us at From the Cheap Seats. Um, follow us on SoundCloud. Like I said, we are uh, you know we commit everything to the Internet. So every, se- every segment, every program that we do, you can catch it on the radio, you can catch it on television, but it's out there. If you missed it or if you want to go back and troubleshoot us and say, hey, look, you know, you guys said this was going to happen. We're fearless. We'll Please don't do that. Fine. But, yeah, you can find us at SoundCloud at From the Cheap Seats. But our top 10 list, uh, we do this, we reach out to folks, the kind of cheap seat nation, sure. uh, via a couple of different mechanisms. If you want to get onto that list and want to contribute, um, send us an email to cheapseatradio at gmail.com. That's cheapseatradio at gmail.com. That's singular. 
Send it out there. We're not going to spam you. We're not going to try to sell you anything, but we'll send out a a mass email that says, hey, look, what's your feedback on this? And what we did this weekend in honor of the Mississippi State beating of UConn after 111 straight games in the Final Four, the Bulldogs, you know, are a nice program. Really shocked the world, and I'm not going to lie. I was sitting at that. I was actually watching the Rockets Warriors game. Assumed that UConn was going to blow through. Sure, I'd see the recap, really and I figured during a commercial break I'd flip over, and I flip back, and it's tied at the end of the third quarter. And I really am thankful that I watched the fourth quarter in overtime. Um, and I'm, we're, we we don't have time to kind of recap that game, but congratulations for Mississippi State. I feel really bad for Gino, by the way. I I feel terrible for Gino. Um, congratulations to Mississippi State. That was an epic upset, especially given the the, the platform, because you're talking about a Final Four game. Um, it was already a foregone conclusion that the Huskies were going to win another national championship, continue the win streak. Uh, this is a young team, and they may they may run off a hundred more before they lose again. But Mississippi State shocked the world. So in honor of that, we put together our list based on the votes from Cheap Seat Nation, our, our fans, followers, listeners, um, of the best, or the biggest, rather, upsets in sports history. Now, the question at this point is whether we want to spoil that or we want people to see it online. What's your, what's your call? Well, it's not, I'll, make that be your, that'll, I'll make that be your call, Krista Lambert. I don't, wow. I, I don't want that kind of pressure on myself. All the pressure. I'm not going to give it up. I'm not going to cough it up. Not even one? Nah, I'll, I'll give you one. Okay. I'll give you one. And because, I'll give you one. Because we were talking about it. Um, Holly Holmes over Ronda Rousey. Yeah. I mean, who in the world thought that Rousey was going to go down? And not just go down. I mean, this was one there wasn't any controversy. There wasn't anything. Holly Holmes just destroyed or dismantled her. And for all intents and purposes, ended Rousey's career. And I think it's one that people, you know, in the moment recognized that was that big a deal. Um, I, I do want to. I do need to make some qualifications though, because we asked for what's your feedback. What are your top five upsets of all time? And I got a lot of voters that said the '04 Red Sox. Mm. The '04 Red Sox didn't go into their series with the Yankees as a that's prohibitive a underdog. Yeah, that's a it's comeback. a comeback. So no, that didn't count, and all of you failed. Eh. You, yeah, Sorry, you failed to properly categorize. The, so we'll do read we'll, the we'll do comebacks at some point. But yeah, you, you, read the directions next time you get on our poll, please. I guess um, I know too many. I know too many New England homers is what the deal is. And I'd catch too much flack if I didn't throw this out to like all my fans and Pack Nation out there. The '83 championship for the NC State over Faslama Jama. There's two 30s for 30s on the basically the same topic on ESPN. They'll come up with a reason for a third at some point. I bet. The, uh, now, Go NC pack, State, I'm, I'm just going to say that, you know, you're talking about a North Carolina-based show, even talk nationally. Um, I would say that, yeah, NC State's probably on that list somewhere. The Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Go Heels! You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show.
When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve.